Dear listeners, for episode four of the Usomionaire podcast, we interviewed Dr. Bartjan Verhoef, who's a nephrologist, a medical doctor specialized in kidney diseases. He works at the St. Jensdal Hospital in Harderwijk, the Netherlands, where he's also CMIO or Chief Medical Information Officer. Among many people, he's also known as Dr. AI from the blog with the same name. He trained himself in machine learning to develop an algorithm able to predict the likelihood of reuptake of his patients. Verhoef emphasizes the usefulness of machine learning as a method of using patient data intelligently. By using models based on data from the EPR or electronic patient records, doctors can make predictions so that they can improve work processes and improve the quality of patient care. Please stay tuned and listen to this interesting 30-minute interview. Good evening, Bartjan. Good evening. Yes, welcome in this podcast. I would like to uh, introduce you to the audience, so maybe you could tell a bit about yourself. What are you? What is your uh, profession? Where are you working? And what are? What is your main interest? Um, I'm Bartjan Verhoef. I'm uh, 49 years old and working as a staff nephrologist in the Saint Janstal Ziekenhuis uh, in uh, the Netherlands. And um, uh, I'm uh, next to my uh, function as a doctor. I'm also the CMIO of the hospital. Um, and as a CMIO, I'm the connection between the, the, the care uh, givers and the, the IT department. Uh, and I'm also interested in uh, data science, in artificial intelligence. And as such, I'm working on models myself. I'm publishing information about that on my blog and um, doctor.ai. And, um, well, I'm enthusiastic about the subject. All right. So, yes, you you mentioned that you are the CMIO in your hospital. So you briefly explained already what is the what the function is of a CMIO. But as far as I know, this is already the case in some hospitals, but it's not really, uh, let's say, standard yet to have a CMIO in each hospital. So could you briefly explain us what a CMIO does and what the importance is? Well, uh, a CMIO does an awful lot of of things. It's um, um, normally when software is introduced in a working environment, um, it is very important that the software is fine-tuned to this environment um, in such a way that all working processes are um, um, are are pleasant to work in. So, uh, all and, and to be more specific, if a caregiver uses uh, an EMR, an electronic uh, medical record, uh, the caregiver wants to uh, uh, work through the EMR in a process that is aligned with the contact with the patient and the process of the patient, and. Uh, one of the jobs of the CMIO is to to try to um, arrange that in the hospital, to try to take care that all processes are as much as possible aligned to the reality. And um, apart from that, 
And simultaneously, it is necessary that within this process, all necessary data is gathered in the electronic medical record um, and also presented to the caregivers in a way so that they can use it to base their decisions on. Um, luckily, most EMRs already have thought about ways how to do that. Uh, but what you see is that it is very helpful uh, to keep think, uh, keep thinking about uh, improvements of those processes. And uh, that's, that's a key job of mine. I can't do this right. for the whole hospital. So it's also um, uh, necessary to, um, to scale it up with a team that right. works on this and uh, let them have the right thought of mind, right state of mind to, to do this for the users. So you have other medical specialists working with you, uh, let's say in a team, should I see it like this? Not necessarily. Well, obviously we have um, focus groups uh, uh, in the hospital that think about different subjects that uh, connect with uh, work and IT. But what I actually meant was that there is a there's the the IT team, um, and it is very important to. Uh, to create a connection between the IT team and uh, and the care uh, givers, right? The providers, uh, so that they understand each other and mm. they make best use of each other, and that and they communicate that with each other. Proofs. Excuse me, Sorry. and that they communicate with each other. Exactly, exactly. Yes. That's yes. not necessarily. It, it sounds pretty, uh, you know pretty uh, normal, but in fact, it is very important to take care of this, this communication process. Yes. Now, for to, example, to yes, so I am a radiologist and um, well, sometimes we have to make important decisions. It's not only machines that we have to purchase, but for example, also a digital system like a PAX. So in that case, mm -hmm. would uh, the would you be the guy? we are talking with to, uh, let's say, make a, uh, a request or a proposal uh, for uh, purchasing a new system. Would you be involved in this or how should I see that? Um, uh, it, it depends. Uh, the typical case of the radiology uh, department would we we uh, we divided it a bit. <clears throat> is uh, uh, most of the times uh, the CIO, who is uh, my colleague. So I've got a dual management uh, situation where I'm the CMIO, I've got a CIO, and we're working together to right. manage the department, and he is actually the contact person, more or less, of the radiology department. I see. Uh, so he does the technical stuff, and I'm. but nevertheless, they call me if there's some interaction with their working process, and mm -hmm. they're wondering if they, we can improve stuff. Yeah, uh, and uh, that uh, connects with other providers in the hospital. Okay, that's clear. So that's so, what it is. Yes. So um, now you call yourself also a data scientist. So what exactly does that mean? How should we see that? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the nice thing about this title is that you can actually uh, use it if you like. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> to be honest. Um, I, I actually use the title just for recognition, that people know who they are talking to. Right. Um, I didn't I didn't follow a real data science uh, study, 
Nevertheless, I'm, uh, I've got a PhD and I follow quite some uh, uh, courses on data science and during the past years I've uh, spent quite some time um, um, improving my knowledge well about data science but also about uh, specifically about machine learning but also about the mathematics behind it and uh, deep learning, uh, probability theory and all stuff that is necessary to really understand what's going on. Yes, this is, also, this is also the way you got interested in artificial intelligence, even being a nephrologist. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, it's uh, kind of a, to be honest, a little bit of surprise. I would more expect this from radiologists, to be honest, <laughs> because this is what deep learning is, uh, finds its, uh, its strength, I mean, in the image analysis. But nevertheless... Mm -hmm. Uh, you already explained us a little bit where you got your training in artificial intelligence and how you, uh, well, what kind of uh, uh, courses you took, etc. Um, so, but actually, uh, why did you become interested in artificial intelligence as a nephrologist? Yes, well, uh, you're actually right that deep learning has made his, its entrance uh, with image recognition. And as such, radiology is a logical uh, direction uh, to go to. Uh, nevertheless, uh, if you look at um, my core business, namely the EMR, uh, the electronic medical record with, uh, you know, uh, huge amounts of structured data, mm -hmm. but also text, um, I already learned from uh, our uh, manufacturer of the EMR uh, uh, nice ways how to use the data to um, base your conclusions on. They, um, at present, they've actually provided about 30, 20 to 30 models, a few of them are still in development, that help us with all kinds of decision making. Um, they call this, well, this line of sport uh, predictive uh, analytics. Um, they're using um, different forms of machine learning, for example, simple linear or logistic regression analysis, multivariate uh, that is, um, that has have as an input several parameters from the EMR and create a decision. Now this is typically, you know, non-radiology stuff because mm -hmm. I'm working in my EMR, I'm doing something then I need to do to make a decision and well, how helpful would it be if a predictive analytics model would help me? Yeah. Um, so, so when I learned from this subject, from this, uh, from predictive analytics, it really grasped me and never, uh, and never let me go. So uh, from that moment on, I was looking for ways how to implement it myself, and um, well, already found that if we wanted to use all those thirty models and even develop more with stuff from Epic, it would, uh, which is our provider, our mm -hmm. manufacturer, um, um, we uh, we would have to pay for it. And um, although it is not clear uh, at present how much uh, the cost would be of a fully automated hospital by AI, um, you can imagine that you know that's going to be a considerable part, considerable part of of the investments of IT exactly. if we do nothing. Exactly. And that is actually that's maybe my main. Uh, thrive to to uh, my main uh, uh, reason uh, to to be engaged in AI uh, uh, so much. Yes, uh, I just know that that we can do it ourselves, 
And I also know that we can, um, uh, how do you say, uh, spend less money on it. Yeah. And another argument could be probably that you are able to define your own use cases, which can be different from one location, from one hospital, from one region to the other. And you can even try absolutely. your own data, which is absolutely even more uh, yeah. ideal. Okay. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, that's right. Yes. So what do you think about, uh, we all know that artificial intelligence, the importance of this new science, let's say, is, well, it's not really new, but uh, the, the development is, is going faster. Uh, so what do you think uh, about it regarding healthcare? Do you think it will take place in all specialties or which ones are most targeted, you think? It depends on the techniques that are used. Um, I think within the next years, uh, artificial intelligence will be restricted to algorithms that actually answer one specific question. Um, for example, uh, find nodules in lungs uh, and see if they have increased when compared to uh, in size when compared to the previous uh, CT scan or um, predict if a patient will be readmitted within 30 days after discharge or find uh, malignant cells in uh, pathology slides, uh, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one specific task um, for one specific disease. Um, and well, you can just use your imagination uh, and think about everything in your, in your work which is which can be reduced to one specific task uh, and and I think it would should be suitable for for some kind of algorithm mm -hmm. so so um, so that's how you can can find out which specialties are interesting yes uh, if you do that you can imagine that in the first place within the few first few years um, we will not be able to do some surgery on patients using AI uh, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's all about it's all about data uh, yes. and decisions based on data, and less about um, uh, procedures and stuff like that. Right. So not many specialists nowadays are really trained to uh, develop algorithms to uh, do data analytics. It's not part of. It's not yet part of the training. Uh, we can see uh, a change, however, at the AI is being democratized one way or another. So it will be facilitated to use this locally uh, in the near future. But don't you think that uh, if specialists uh, have to get their hands on the plow, they should get additional training? Or maybe should we include it, uh, some data science or data analytics skills in the medical training as such? Yeah, I well, um... I think the best way to go would be to indeed uh, add some uh, AI skills to the medical training, not very thorough, just enough to understand what a uh, what a logistic regression analysis is or what a uh, some kind of decision tree algorithm is. Really basic and well, uh, if you've got one logistic regression, then you know that 10 of them is a neural network. So, and stop there, let, let them play during some uh, training hours with some playing data. 
uh, toy data, but then but then it should finish, maybe mm -hmm. 10 hours or so, because there's not there's just not enough time to really um, get everybody uh, on board. And apart from that, uh, most of them won't be interested at all. So uh, I think what does happen is that if you do this, you will create a certain group of doctors mm -hmm. who is, you know, flabbergasted by what AI can do, like like I was actually. Yes. So um, and they will they will take care of their training themselves. They mm -hmm. will, uh, you know, they will uh, uh, follow courses, uh, or maybe even at that time there will be more medically oriented courses for data data science. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then this will uh, result in in uh, a large group of doctors who pretty much understands what understand what's going on in those algorithms, and on the other hand, a select group of doctors who really know what to do. And I can't imagine that everybody will do it. Uh, and to take it even further, I think even this select group of doctors must be helped along, uh, started. Uh, to 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 do something. So, um, apart from training, we have to create some kind of infrastructure that um, that enables uh, uh, you know interested selected doctors to um, to do something with algorithms that already exist and that can be further trained on their data. Right. Something like that. Yes. That's actually one of the simple plans that I'm mm -hmm. you know thinking about already of course there are several possibilities for example yeah. um, our society which is the European Society of Medical Imaging Informatics we were able to include now the imaging informatics as a new subspecialty training into the European training curriculum which I think could be a good way to trigger young radiologists to start developing this kind of uh, software on the other hand of course uh, you could also maybe uh, develop a new specialty in medicine. Uh, and, yeah. well, this is actually something you already see nowadays, also in the Netherlands. You see uh, the uh, technical physicians, that's a new direction, which is now already uh, a recognized, uh, let's say, profession. Um, so what do you think about that? Is, is that maybe the right way to go? Should we maybe integrate this kind of trained people or specialists in this uh, area? Well, that, that is a possibility as well. Um, um, but, you know, to be honest, um, I wouldn't have been able to create the model I did um, without my medical knowledge mm -hmm. and experience. Because this experience um, um, was the reason why I knew with what features to select, but also um, what technique to use to, you know, to create all those hundreds, thousands of features in a structured way, uh, so that um, so that the model was able to look at the right things. Right. Um, so what I'm actually saying is, it, it, medical knowledge and experience um, is necessary to create models. And the, how do I explain this? Um, what is also necessary is that you, ha you have to really know how a model works 
to yes. also know how to put it in the features. Exactly, and also to validate it, to evaluate it. Because otherwise, if you don't know how the algorithm works, you will not be able to detect... I'm sorry, you, have to repeat, you, you just dropped a bit. So okay. Please repeat your... Yes, of course. So it's also necessary that you have this knowledge to evaluate the algorithm, because yeah. otherwise you will not know why it's making errors or why it's making wrong decisions. So, exactly. Yes. So regarding the importance of medical data, do you think that hospitals at this moment have the right infrastructure to facilitate the usage or the sharing of data in the development of AI algorithms? Well, that's uh, uh, certainly not all hospitals. I think the hospitals that use Epic as an EMR in the Netherlands are the ones that are a bit uh, that are uh, more easily able to uh, extract data and to create a an interface with the EMR to you know to have the infrastructure you need. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the competing EMR, um, I know that academic centers have took care, have taken care of uh, data marts and data lakes and stuff like that. But the usual non-academic hospital hasn't. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's probably more difficult. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, possibilities should be studied. And maybe we should have some regulation that forces manufacturers to make it easy for their clients to use the data and to make interfaces for AI uh, 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 algorithms yes. mm -hmm. on separate servers. Yes, well, there could be a model, for example, to share algorithms among institutions in the Netherlands, for example, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. to create a platform where you, where you can... Uh, let's say, obtain these algorithms and then uh, download them and optimize them with your own data. That could be a solution. Exactly. Yeah, yes. that, that would be, well, that would be one of, one of my goals, actually. Yeah, okay, so that would be that, the direction. Okay. Um, so, why do you think, uh, well, do you think it's important that algorithms, when developed locally, uh, can be shared among hospitals? So, uh, well, we think about transfer learning, for example. you think that's a good way to go? Um, well, I've never tried it with, uh, the, with, you know, with predictive analytics models, uh, even the deep learning ones. But um, uh, I think the um, difficulty would be that you have to really align your data and your features to be able to do that. So... Um, uh, you can do it, and you, but you have to do some work to take care that data from hospital A is mapped the same way as the data from hospital B. Yes. And that's that's the difficulty with EMRs. They're all mapped differently, uh, yeah. except for the most important stuff. But, you know, all order, order, order tables are different in every laboratory. As long as they're not all using LOINC, uh, laboratory tests are also mapped differently. So... You see, so that's a, that's a problem. Now, what could help there is some kind of interoperability that, you know, forces the, the hospitals to, to produce the data in a, in, a, in a certain way. Or maybe could, some standardization. Exactly. Yeah. So that's go, you know that's going on in the Netherlands right now with the basisgegevenszorg. So it might be that that would help us. Uh, we'll find out how fast we can extract data using those uh, standards. 
Um, but that that is a hurdle. On yes. the other hand, once you've taken that hurdle, it's much more easy to to do exactly what you're saying, the transfer learning, using the the weights you've got already trained from in one hospital and do some extra cycles in another hospital and see what happens. Yes. And I know that, that for example, uh, a, a startup uh, in the Netherlands, PacMed, has, uh, has done stuff uh, like that. They've trained their, their ICU readmission uh, 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 algorithm in several hospitals. And I, from what I've heard from them is that they've actually succeeded in creating a better model. I haven't seen the, 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 the you know the numbers, but sounds promising anyway. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, you know the, the, another example, and um, I think you've uh, in another setting you've mentioned it uh, is the federation. How do you call it? The the federated deep learning. Federated deep learning. Yeah, that sounds really nifty somehow. Yes. I'm not sure <laughs> if we could really use that. Um, and maybe the technical difficulties with the complex data we have in our EMRs are too big to use it, but it sounds like a like a promising technique. Yes. Not sure. We're going to see about that. I agree. So maybe we can uh, finalize our interesting interview, our talk. Uh, but okay, I think the the uh, main issue is that uh, doctors or specialists in hospitals should get their hands on the plow and also start and are using their data and maybe start thinking about developing algorithms which is not uh which should may uh, maybe uh be made more yeah. easy and it will become more easy but uh, what would be your main message for the audience for the listeners um i think the main message is let's let's work together on this mm -hmm. that would be my main message um, I've spent quite some time making a model that is uh, doing a, a nice job. Um, it would be silly if somebody else in another hospital would spend as much time as I did to make the same mm -hmm. model. So uh, I think let's work together on this. Let's create some kind of platform in the Netherlands where we can yes. share all these, these, this knowledge, these, the, this data. Uh, no, not the data. That's more difficult. But uh, the, the algorithms. And um, and do something with it. Yes, I think that's a, that's an excellent conclusion. Thank you very much, Partian. And uh, yes, I hope uh, to talk to you soon again. I wish Thank you a good you. evening. Thank you. Good evening. Dear listener, thank you for having followed this podcast. I really appreciate it. Please don't forget to visit our website, which is eusomii.org and don't forget to have a look at the program of our annual meeting which will take place in Valencia on 18th and 19th of October this year. Hope to see you there. Bye.